your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you enjoyed this episode and want to stay tuned to the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, and the Odyssey app. Doing so does not cost you a single penny. And we always appreciate your continued support. Tonight's show is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Speaking of this evening's show, there are a couple of topics to discuss. One, I wanted to give some final closing thoughts on the Stanley Cup Final, which, as you can tell from me saying it's final thoughts, you can guess which team ended up winning last night. After we give some thoughts on the Cup Finals, I did want to talk about the season as a whole and give some reflections on what I thought was successful, some concerns for the future, and where I think the league is going next year. Let's start off with the Cup Finals, though. This was, you know, it wasn't exactly what I would call a thrill ride. If you're a Montreal Canadiens fan or a Tampa Bay fan, obviously for differing reasons you were both thrilled. Montreal fans, I think, were just really grateful to watch their team in the Cup Finals after not really having been relevant in the playoffs for the past several years. To ride a remarkable run all the way to a Cup Finals was obviously one of the biggest gifts that they could be bestowed, and I'm sure Habs fans were beyond thrilled to be watching a team that everyone counted out towards the middle of the season, or even at the beginning of the season, ascend to heights where they were actually able to make it to the final uh, run of the playoffs. It is obvious that, yes, this, this year's playoff structure did probably help Montreal get through a little bit easier than they might have had to go through if they were in the regular Atlantic Division, but look, you don't really get to choose your opponents. You know, in this sense, the league had to deal with a, a massive COVID situation, and so Montreal could only deal with the hand it was dealt. And for the most part, it handled that hand pretty darn well. They embarrassed Toronto. They basically um, humiliated the Jets in four games. They outlasted the Vegas Golden Knights that everyone expected to stomp them. And then they had, you know, not exactly a competitive series, I would say, but they certainly played evenly at times with Tampa Bay, even if the end result doesn't reflect that. In some ways, Montreal wasn't nearly as far off as the scorelines may have made you think, but I think you could also tell that there was a very clear divide between where Montreal was and where Tampa Bay was when it comes to being able to finish on your chances and close out games. A lot of people look at Tampa Bay with very envious eyes, and I think the natural assumption is that they cheated their way to get there. And in a lot of ways, that probably is true. The cap circumvention aside, I mean, they probably had to do some things with the medical staff and whatnot to get Kucherov basically sidelined for the entire season. Who knows if it was entirely honest with their reporting on his health conditions, I really couldn't tell you. Teams with a lot of money and power can occasionally do stuff and get away with it. Whatever the case may be, though, I know that Tampa Bay definitely had an easier route with managing their cap situation, but... At the end of the day, the real reason that Tampa Bay ended up winning everything again was that because they're smarter than pretty much every other team in the league. I think that was my main takeaway, and I know a lot of folks will say, well, they did it with a cheating method. But, you know, I think a lot of teams in the NHL probably do some sort of cheating. You know, obviously, the way that the, the Lightning did it was probably a bit more, I don't know, transparent or obvious. But either way, you know, they've been doing this for many years. This team hasn't always had to do cap circumvention. I think they just sort of... 
identify talent, they dump it when they can't afford it, and then they bring in guys who are just as good, if not better. And because they're so bright, they always take advantage of other teams who make very bad decisions. You look at the way that Tampa Bay was constructed, and I feel like it's obvious the recipe for success, but then you think about teams looking at Montreal and thinking, oh, well, they also made the cup finals. Their their method must also be successful too. And it's like, well, maybe in this very magical playoff run for this one time, yes. But when you think about it, you saw how Tampa Bay outplayed them at many stretches and basically dominated their defense. Don't you think you should be taking some lessons from the Lightning instead? And so I'm very curious to know what teams do in the offseason and how they approach this. Tampa Bay has built a repeatable pattern of success, and it doesn't seem like they're going to be stopping anytime soon. Even when they haven't made the cup finals, they've been like one or two steps removed from it for the past several years. Every time they falter, they seem to make a few adjustments and come back looking even stronger, or even if they don't quite play as well, they still find a way through anyways. They have a team that thinks in dynastic terms, even if their actual on-ice performance occasionally varies from season to season. And I sort of wonder if other teams are taking notes. I mean, I look at the way that Tampa Bay is running, they're brilliant. Even with Iserman gone, they really haven't changed their thought process all that much. So, you know, going forward, I feel like teams should be looking at Tampa Bay as the model, but I know that they won't. I think that there's this still traditionalist mindset that, you know, you have to have big, gritty physical players. And it's like, I think that's fine if you have guys who are big, gritty, but skilled. Bring in guys with incredible determination and willpower, but also be sure to bring in guys who aren't going to hold you back either. We saw with Montreal's defense that oftentimes when they were placed under pressure, they cracked every single time. A lot of the scoreline reflects Montreal's sloppiness when they were under pressure, especially when it comes to their defenders. We saw last night, you know, Montreal didn't really concede all that many goals, but a couple of them were on very bad defensive sequences from guys like Ben Sherratt, Joel Edmondson, and several of their other defenders. That was a consistent theme against Tampa Bay too, so it's not like it was just an isolated incident last night. Montreal's defense was one of the biggest Achilles heels in, in conjunction with Carey Price also struggling. I guess I only hope that the Jets don't follow Montreal's path and, and look for a more Tampa Bay style of offense and certainly a roster and lineup. I, I know that it's obviously very difficult to assemble the sheer amount of talent and ability that Tampa Bay has in the way that they have, but Winnipeg has plenty of options, and I feel like the Jets constantly hamstring themselves. They make a lot of self-inflicted wounds, and I don't really understand it. I know that this is sort of a symptom of the NHL, but the Jets don't need to follow this trend. My patience with this franchise and its inability to find itself out of the hole it's dug for itself every year is, is definitely wearing thin. It's not like I'm just going to stop watching them, but I think in my ability to tolerate Winnipeg just driving in circles, it, it's, it's running out of steam. I think a lot of folks are feeling the same way. Even the most diehard fans have to be asking what exactly Winnipeg's plan is going forward. You look at these teams like, you know, Tampa Bay and, and Montreal and a lot of these other teams, and sure, Montreal's path to success, probably not one I would emulate. But when I look at the way that Tampa Bay runs things, absolutely the model for how the NHL should be run, barring some of the cheating parts. Colorado, also a fantastic model. I think that they have it down pat. And sure, the team did struggle in, in the Vegas series, but they have a really good pipeline for the future. They look like they're going to be primed to make the playoffs many, many times over, and they're going to get to wail on the Jets for the next couple of seasons, so Winnipeg has a lot of work to do. Speaking of the upcoming seasons, I did want to talk about what I expect to happen next year and what I think Seattle will do as they enter this new league. But before we talk about next season, let's talk about you winning now, and why BetOnline.ag should be your online betting site of choice. 
When it comes to online betting, you need to know that there's a safe, reliable name that you can trust every single time. That's why you should go to betonline.ag. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Baseball, hockey, and basketball season are all in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including the MLB, NBA, NHL, international football, UFC, MMA, and every sport in between. No matter what you're into, BetOnline has your back. Before the next pitch or face-off, head on over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up for bonuses, and enter all the contests your heart desires. Stop sitting on the sidelines and join your favorite teams as they begin their playoff quests for glory. Win as they win. To get started, create a free account at BetOnline.ag, and when you register, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a matched 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Again, that is promo code LOCKEDON at registration. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are uh, now taking a look at everything that is likely to transpire as we head into a new season where things are probably going to reorganize back to normal, relatively speaking, for most of the divisions. This has been a strange season, and I think a lot of folks don't really know what to take away from it. You know, I think there was some debate about what do we read into the results from this year? Should we assume that teams that performed well are actually legitimately good? Or did they just feed on weaker competition within their own division? I think that question is probably more salient when you're talking about a division like the North. I, I think in a lot of ways, the weaker teams definitely fueled some of the success for teams like, let's say, Winnipeg, Edmonton, maybe even Montreal to a degree. But, you know, I don't think it's it's the kind of issue where we can definitively determine just how much of a boost that might have given. You know, like the Jets played Ottawa, what, nine times and won almost every single game, barring a couple, so... Obviously, you can kind of get a sense that Winnipeg's record was probably a little bit more padded and flattering than what the Jets really were this year. I look at some of the other divisions, though, and it's a little bit murkier. The Metro Division was kind of brutal. I feel like the Central Division was kind of a hot mess. There were a lot of really bad teams at the bottom, and then the top teams were like very clearly a step ahead of the rest of the competition. But perhaps the one that has the most intrigue for Winnipeg's terms is probably the West Division, where Colorado, Vegas, Minnesota, and the Blues all competed for the top four spots. Of those teams, the Blues were definitely the weakest of the bunch, but Minnesota, man, I think they were probably one of the bigger surprises this year. I think the Wild have a good shot at being a real pest next season. They've always been a difficult team to play. But Minnesota, I don't know if they've had like a philosophical change or something, but some of the players that they've identified and some of the talent that they've brought in recently, it's a bit more ambitious than we've seen with this team in the past. They're obviously a little bit leakier on the back end than some of the other top teams like Colorado and Vegas, but this is still a really well-rounded, really well-balanced squad. And I feel like, you know, coming into next season, Minnesota, they're going to be facing a very stiff challenge going back to the Central you know, you're not going to be facing L.A. Or, or San Jose or even Anaheim, some of these teams that are in the Pacific Division in previous years, pretty weak. Next season, I think the division is going to be pretty wide open. I, I think after Colorado, you have a really weird mix of teams for the Central. The Jets are basically going to be duking it out with Minnesota and St. Louis for one of the last spots in the top three or top four of the division. I don't think the Jets are actually going to be that great, though. Unless something really changes with this team, my general perception is the Central is going to be a real tough out for Winnipeg to actually get through. You know, you've got Nashville, who were certainly resurgent towards the end of uh, this season, but I don't know if they're actually good or if Yusuceros was maybe masking some of their bigger weaknesses. I think they have a pretty okay roster, but every year I've kind of said this this team is, for me, at least a little bit offensively limited. If Tovanen and some of their other young players and prospects start to continue to have like a really strong offensive impact, I might feel a little bit differently. 
but Dave Poyle, since the Cup Finals appearance, really hasn't done much to get this team into a good spot. In fact, in a lot of ways, it kind of reminds me of Winnipeg's arc in that both teams have significantly declined and not really replaced any of the top-end talent that they've lost with anyone good. They also haven't actually improved the roster year over year, so... Yeah, I think Nashville and Winnipeg are probably in a very similar spot right now. They've got great goaltending and some pretty decent talent on the roster, but the rest of the, the situation isn't exactly great. So I could see them kind of sitting below Minnesota and, and certainly the Wild. Uh, Colorado is obviously going to run the division. I don't think that that's much of a question. But I am curious to know how Colorado adjusts in the offseason because it felt like Vegas did a really good job of exploiting Colorado's inability to defend inside their own zone for sustained stretches. I think the Avs sort of understand that their blue line is probably not the kind that really parks the bus and can sit deep inside its own zone before springing counters. Colorado sort of has to cheat for offense and really push the pressure up the ice as quickly as possible. To a degree, I think it works really well against a lot of teams, but Vegas is just one of those squads that's almost designed to absorb a lot of pressure, and in many ways Vegas was kind of the perfect foil. So if Colorado makes some adjustments to try and figure out a little bit more of their end-zone defense stuff, I could see that being a pretty valuable, you know, structural change, and it maybe pushes them through to the next round of the postseason. As far as the Kraken are concerned, I expect them to have a really tough first year. I don't think it's going to be like Vegas. I think under Hackstall, they'll be probably like a 500-ish team. I think the protected lists aren't going to give them much in the way of high-end talent. It's not going to be a situation where they get Riley Smith and Jonathan Marcheseau again for basically nothing. So I think Seattle, they're going to have a, a slower introduction and in getting up to speed. Um, I think Vegas was, for a lot of teams, a bit of a, a wake-up call in how team talent acquisition and certainly um, talent evaluation works. And I would imagine that teams are going to smarten up this time. I could be wrong. Maybe they go through the same process again and Seattle somehow shocks everyone. But I think after going through the process once already, I would not expect teams to allow the same thing to happen twice. The East Division is probably the one that's going to be very interesting to track as a lot of these teams go back to the Atlantic and the Metro Division. The Metro Division in particular is really stacked, relatively speaking. You've got uh, Pittsburgh, Washington, the Islanders, and then a little bit more distantly the Rangers and the Flyers, but these teams are all at least capable of pretty decent hockey, if not outstanding hockey if you're like Pittsburgh. I think the Metro is going to be a bloodbath next year. I expect it to be a really tight division yet again, which it always is every season, but you know, with, with Barry Trotz having performed as well as he has with the Islanders, the Rangers continuing to get younger and more skilled, and maybe even the Devils pushing a little bit more aggressively for at least a more quality level of play, I could see that being a very competitive division. The Atlantic, though, I mean, you basically got Toronto and, and of course, the Tampa Bay Lightning, probably not much else. Oh, and I would be remiss not to mention the Florida Panthers, who actually had a really great season, and I'm, I'm very curious to know what happens with them this year. I feel like they were probably the team that I least expected to perform as well as they did. I don't know if this was like a fluke season or what, but they looked really offensively gifted. I feel like a lot of their star players actually performed up to standard. And if Aaron Ekblad comes back healthy, maybe that's a real team to watch out for in the upcoming season. If the Panthers are legit, they could actually push Tampa Bay at the top of the division. I don't think it's going to happen, but, you know, the Lightning have logged a lot of miles over the past couple of seasons. Maybe at some point that starts to catch up. We'll see if it actually happens in this season. I don't expect it to. Tampa Bay always seems to know how to tweak things and get the most out of their players, but you never know. Maybe something crazy happens. Up next, I'll talk about my desires and expectations for Winnipeg's upcoming season. But before we go any further, I wanted to shout out tonight's title sponsors at rockauto.com and tell you about why they're the best place to buy your auto part replacements. 
These days, there are a mind-boggling number of makes and models of vehicles out there, and it's hard for auto parts stores to keep up. If you're tired of venturing out and waiting in line only to find out that the stores near you don't have what you need in stock, then go to rockauto.com right now. They're a family-run business with over 20 years of experience in the automotive industry. Their intuitive, easy-to-use website allows you to sort by make, year, and model of your vehicle, and then set a price range filter so you always get the parts that you need at the prices you want. Whether you need a new engine control module or a floor mat replacement, rockauto.com is sure to have what you need in stock. And best of all, you could save anywhere from 20, 30, even 50% off retail brick and mortar in-store pricing. So why shop anywhere else? RockAuto.com never charges a membership fee, and all customers pay the same prices no matter what. Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on the neat how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit RockAuto.com today. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are now talking about, you know, the future and, and what I hope for the Jets in this upcoming season. To be honest, I don't even know what I want these days. I, I look at Winnipeg and I feel like this team, for me at least, they've sort of had a limbo state and I don't know how they get out of it. On the one hand, I would love to bring in like a Dougie Hamilton or someone, but you look at Hamilton and his age and where the Jets are, and I'm like, he, he fixes one major need for the team but I feel like there are so many other components that don't get solved. You know, how many seasons of, of Hamilton's contract will go by before Winnipeg is actually at a state where it's competitive again? From the ground up, I feel like the team needs to reevaluate its priorities and what it wants to do in order to be competitive. If the team is just content to be in the middle of the road and make the playoffs but not do much else, then whatever, it's on the right path, I guess. But I can't help feeling like this is a completely wasted opportunity. This is one of the most talented cores the Jets have ever had, and Winnipeg has kind of watched as it's done nothing but decline over the past several years. There's a real chance for the Jets to make noise in the coming years, and I feel like Winnipeg, I don't know if they're going to seize it or not, but I feel like they need to start making the changes to facilitate that process sooner rather than later. I know that, you know, Paul Maurice for me is probably not the guy to lead this team, but I also don't know if Dayoff is either. I understand that the relationship between the two is probably in part influenced by management and ownership as well, but, you know, at some point, people just have to sort of roll up their sleeves and get things done, and I feel like the Jets haven't really done that so far. I think for next season, I just want them to be at least competitive and fun to watch. This year, at times they were fun, but at other times they were kind of a disaster, and I didn't really know which team you were going to get each night. I'd like at least some level of consistency that's not just Hellebuck standing on his head every single night. As much as Hellebuck being awesome is really fun to watch, it's not so great if you want to watch your team not be bad. And the Jets haven't really given us the kind of seasons that we're looking for in terms of being a true playoff contender, so I would just like the team to be fun and actually quality. They need to find a way to bring in like a younger number 2 or number 1D, I would say. Ideally, a number 1 is the main target, but I don't think that that's just going to materialize unless they bring in Hamilton. If they were to sign Dougie somehow and get him into the team, they basically have to go full chips on the table, all out, because Hamilton only has a few prime seasons of his career left. I don't foresee him aging out really fast in a lot of the ways that we expect, but in terms of like Winnipeg's timeline and where a lot of the talent is, the Jets probably need to make the most of his first three or so seasons. Once you start hitting years four and five of his contract, which is probably going to be like seven years, you'd have to think that his performance on the ice is probably going to start to decline. I don't think Hamilton will be bad as he starts to age out, but he's certainly not going to be maybe the most effective number 1D that you were hoping. So it's kind of imperative if the Jets were to sign him to make the most of those first three seasons and be a true contender. 
if they stick with Maurice, they basically have to find a way to force him to make effective lineups that are actually aggressive and skilled. He's done it before. He did it in 2017-2018, although partly um, that was due to injuries and stuff. But we know that if Maurice actually trusts his blue line, he's capable of letting the team be aggressive, including the blue liners, and also allowing the forwards to be more aggressive as well. The team still has the firepower to put a hurtin' on most other squads out there, especially in the Central Division that right now is pretty up in the air. I'm just not convinced we see it, and I don't know if it's going to happen this season, the next season, or even the following year. I know that at some point things are going to have to change because a lot of contracts are starting to expire, and Winnipeg frankly can't keep running in circles, but... If the Jets don't make meaningful changes, I expect us to be looking at like another, maybe a fourth or fifth place division finish. I could see the Jets potentially squeaking into the wildcard spot on the back of Connor Hellebuck being outstanding, but beyond that, Winnipeg's not going to make it past a round or two. Especially as is, the Jets would need to make some really massive overhauls and start to play more of their rookies if they want to have a shot at advancing. I'd be curious to know how you would fix the Jets and what you would do to get them back on track. Be sure to let me know at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. That will do it for tonight's episode, though. Before you log off, don't forget to check out one of our other great podcasts so you can get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Burkowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite media. And as always, thanks for listening. Have a great night and go Jets go.